Hello, everyone. Welcome to the March 2nd edition of WarComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Fols with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Los Angeles law firm of Reyes and Barsoom LLP filed a lawsuit accusing Knox Rickson LLP, its opposing counsel, in a workers' compensation dispute of hacking into a computer network and illegally downloading confidential client information so it can gain an edge in the underlying case. The complaint alleges Knox Rickson partner Eric Danowitz and associate Daniel Sharp violated California's computer crime law and the Business and Professions Code by wrongfully obtaining 2,000 case materials that had privileged documents. The attorneys allegedly gave the materials to two other Knox Rickson attorneys, Russell Ching and Stella Mendoza, who were trying to win a discovery motion and a workers' compensation case pending at the Marina del Rey Appeals Board. According to allegations of the suit, a workers' compensation judge later found the documents to be protected as privileged, also noted ethical concerns, and ordered the immediate return of the materials. The defendants allegedly filed a petition for the judge's removal, but the WCAB denied the request, and they then filed a petition with the Court of Appeals, which was also denied. The suit claims that in February 2013, the defendant law firm allegedly hacked into a password-protected computer network owned and operated by HQ Signup Services, Inc., which stored privileged and confidential documents for the plaintiff law firm. The suit further alleges that the defendant firm has obtained more than 30,000 attorney files, documents, and other property from the same website. The plaintiffs further allege that the defendants have shared its files and property with other law firms. The suit seeks unspecified damages, an order restraining the defendants from accessing privileged electronic communications, and an order that they return all of the documents. The case is pending in the Los Angeles County Superior Court. So please remember that the allegations of one party in litigation cannot be assumed to be true until proven in a court of law. And now our fraud report. The Court of Appeal affirmed the fraud conviction for a workers' compensation claimant who filed a fake claim. Victor Santisteban was employed by American City Pest and Termite Company as a service technician working the night route from 4 p.m. to about 10 p.m. in a company-assigned vehicle. His last day of work for American was in October 2009 when he was terminated after American learned he was simultaneously working for his son at another pest control company in violation of company policy. After being unsuccessful in filing and appealing his unemployment claim, he then filed a workers' comp claim for an injury he alleged he suffered before he was fired. He stated he had been rear-ended while in an American truck, and at his deposition he described an accident while driving his assigned American truck northbound on the 110 freeway toward the 101 freeway after fumigating a restaurant on Figueroa Street. When his truck was struck, he said he pulled to the side of the road and five other vehicles were involved in the collision. 
He also testified about going to Harbor UCLA Hospital a few days after the accident and receiving treatment for his injuries. But the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board denied his claim, and a criminal fraud case was then filed, and a jury convicted Santesteban of the offense of making a fraudulent statement in his workers' compensation claim and attempted perjury. He appealed the criminal conviction, and the Court of Appeal affirmed the conviction in the case of People v. Santisteban. In addition to other evidence presented in the criminal case, it was shown that Santisteban's vehicle was equipped with a Teletrack global positioning device at all times, and it did not confirm the accident. Also, the records from UCLA Medical Center contain no mention of the accident or back pain or any doctor's visit during the correct time span. The Court of Appeal therefore found no reasonably arguable appeal at issue and affirmed his conviction. A landscaper operating in Contra Costa County is facing 34 felony and misdemeanor charges for allegedly taking exorbitant down payments from prospective clients and never completing their work. 34-year-old Adam Rivas of Concord is alleged to have defrauded 11 families in Danville, San Ramon, Alamo, Lafayette, Orinda, and Walnut Creek. He has a $139,000 warrant out for his arrest. For each alleged victim, Rivas faces felony charges of diverting construction funds and misdemeanor charges of entering into unlawful home improvement contracts and failing to secure workers' compensation insurance. Last May, one family was so perturbed by his actions, they created a uh, website called adamrevistreescam.com in the hopes of reaching other potential victims. Commenters on that website complained of backyards being torn up and left a huge mess. Elderly neighbors complained that driveways were ripped up and never repaved and dozens of calls or text messages went unanswered. Reviews on Yelp also showed a similar series of complaints. The district attorney's office believes there are additional unreported claims. And in regulatory news, the DIR announced a reduction in the independent medical review and independent bill review fees effective January 1, 2015. This is the second reduction in fees since the inception of the IMR-IBR program and will no doubt be good news to the workers' compensation community. Standard IMRs involving non-pharmacy claims have been reduced from $420 to $390. Standard IMRs involving pharmacy-only claims have been reduced from $390 to $345. Similar reductions have been made to IMRs terminated or dismissed and not forwarded to a medical professional reviewer. Completed IBRs have been reduced from $250 to $195. The DWC will hold a public meeting to discuss issues related to the Home Health Services fee schedule. 
The purpose of the meetings is to hear input from the public regarding issues including assessing the need for home health services, service provider requirements, fee amounts, and billing codes. The agenda for the meeting has been posted online. California State Senate Bill 863 requires the Administrative Director to establish a fee schedule for home health care services. Home health services range from skilled nurses and therapy services provided by home health agencies to unskilled personal care or chore services that may be provided by family members or other personal care aides. A year ago, the DWC posted the 2015 RAND study on home health care for California's injured workers and options for implementing a fee schedule. The RAND study identifies options for a single fee schedule that would cover the full range of home health services. After conclusion of this public hearing, the industry will be one step closer to having this much needed fee schedule. Rising hospital costs have been a concern and focus of recent public policy debates in many states. A new study from the Workers' Compensation Research Institute compares hospital outpatient costs across states. The new study is an update to a recently published 33-state study. The WCIR has created this unique study to help better understand hospital payments associated with outpatient surgeries. The report claims that states with percent-of-charge-based fee regulations or no-fee schedules had the highest payments to hospitals for outpatient surgical episodes for knee and shoulder surgeries. States with no hospital outpatient fee schedules had 60 to 141% higher hospital outpatient payments per episode compared with the typical state with fixed-amount fee schedules and there was tremendous variation in the rates of charges in hospital payments per surgical episode across states. For example, South Carolina saw a reduction of 31% in this metric, while in Alabama, the average hospital patient per surgical episode grew by 81%. States with cost-to-charge ratio fee regulations had similar levels and growth rates in hospital outpatient payments per episode compared to states with fixed amount fee schedules. Hospital outpatient payments per episode in states with cost-to-charge ratio regulations grew 10 to 25 percent. The study covers 33 large states representing 86 percent of workers' compensation benefits paid in the United States. They represent a wide range of industries and a variety of regulation choices for hospital payments under workers' comp. California was included in the study. The Labor Code requires the audit unit of the DWC to conduct a routine profile audit review known as a PAR audit for all adjusting locations at least once every five years. The performance of each audit is measured against standards set by the results of prior audits within the industry. Using this method, the new performance standard for audits conducted in 2015 is 1.53446. Audit subjects with PAR performance numbers lower than this 
will be required to pay an unpaid compensation, any unpaid compensation, but no penalties will be assessed. But if a performance rating ends up higher than this number, the audit will expand to a full compliance audit, also known as a FCA, and an additional sample of claims will be audited. Approximately 80% of audit subjects meet or exceed the PAR performance standard, and approximately 20% of audit subjects will be subject to the full compliance audit. They will have to meet the new full compliance audit standard of 1.68525 or less and will be required to pay any unpaid compensation and penalties will be assessed for all violations involving unpaid and late paid compensation. If an FCA subject's full compliance audit performance rating is higher than this number, an additional sample of denied claims as well as the expanded samples of indemnity claims will be audited. The results of the 2015 audit will then be used to set the performance standards for the following year. And in medical news, the bacteria are winning. Every year, at least 2 million people are infected with bacteria that cannot be treated effectively with antibiotics. And as a result, 23,000 people will die. Direct health care costs from these illnesses are estimated to be as high as $20 billion annually. And should a healthcare worker or any injured worker become infected while undergoing treatment for an industrial injury, the claim costs would be exponentially increased. Just last week, the UCLA Health System announced that nearly 180 patients may have been exposed to the CRE superbug that was linked to two deaths in one of its hospitals. Today, 30% of severe strep pneumonia infections are resistant to multiple drugs and 30% of gonorrhea infections are also resistant to all antibiotics. And a slew of other unpronounceable bacteria pose serious threats. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, an oncologist, a vice provost at the University of Pennsylvania, and the Obamacare architect, pointed out that the development of antibiotics has been glacial and the bacteria are winning. The number of FDA-approved antibiotics has decreased steadily in the past two decades. The big pharmaceutical companies have largely stopped work on these drugs. Pfizer long the leader in developing antibiotics, closed its antibiotic research operations in 2011. Smaller biotech companies now account for 80% of antibiotic development. There are now about 40 new antibiotics in development, and that might sound promising, but not when compared to the 771 new drugs and vaccines in clinical trials or awaiting FDA review for cancer. And most of these antibiotics are unlikely to come out of the FDA testing process. Since bacteria figure out a way to become resistant to every new drug, we are in an endless life or death struggle with bacteria. The big problem is profitability. Unlike drugs for cholesterol or high blood pressure or insulin for diabetes, which are taking, taken every day for life, antibiotics tend to be given for a short time 
a week at most, and for some, a few months. So profits have to be made on brief usage. Even though antibiotics are life-saving, they do not command a premium price in the marketplace. Society seems to be willing to pay $100,000 or more for cancer drugs that cure no one and at best add weeks or a few months to life, but nowhere near that amount of money on life-saving antibiotics. Congress has tried to address the problem. In 2012, it passed an act that expedited FDA review and gave drug companies five more years of market exclusivity without generic competition. That has increased drug company interest in developing antibiotics, but not enough. It cost at least $1 billion to develop a new drug. So, what is the solution for the diminishing supply of effective antibiotics? Some experts claim that a global fund to speed development of new antibiotics is needed to counter the growing threat of drug-resistant superbugs. This fund is likely to need up to $2 billion to get started. Former Goldman Sachs chief economist Jim O'Neill has urged the establishment of such an innovative fund to support research, arguing that far too little is currently invested in hunting for new drugs. O'Neill, who was asked last year by British Prime Minister David Cameron to take an economist view of the issue, said that philanthropists and governments should create a new fund to support drug research. O'Neill estimated that antimicrobial resistance, or AMR, could kill an extra 10 million people a year and cost up to $100 trillion by 2050 if it is not brought under control. The UK Review outlines specific steps to tackle the rise of drug-resistant infections worldwide. The report says that a lack of funding means it is difficult to take ideas forward and companies are deterred from entering the field. A targeted global fund would support research needed to pave the way for these new drugs. He said it could reverse the brain drain to research areas that are currently better paid and held in higher academic esteem, such as cancer, diabetes, and dementia. The latest report found no shortage of ideas and promising new technologies, but progress is too slow to lack, due to lack of investment. And much of the workforce is edging towards retirement. The review team is currently investigating market incentives in preparation for its next report in the spring. Antibiotics generate low or even negative returns on investment, meaning new mechanisms are needed to pull companies back into the field. And now our financial news. The State Fund, state Compensation Insurance Fund's Board of Directors has approved a $37 million dividend to qualifying policyholders for the 2014 policy year. The dividend represents approximately 2.6% of 2014 estimated annual premium. In addition, the state fund strengthened its reserve position to improve financial strength for the long term, thanks to strong investment returns. The 2014 policy year dividend applies 
to policyholders who have completed no less than 335 days of continuous coverage during their 2014 policy term and who have complied with the state fund audit and who are also current on 2014 premium payments. This action brings total dividends declared by the state fund since 2011 to $287 million. The state fund is the largest workers' compensation insurance carrier in the state with more than 130,000 employer policyholders. Dividends were temporarily suspended after a $92 million distribution in 2001 until the approval of a $50 million dividend in 2011. This was followed by a $100 million dividend for the 2012 policy year and another $100 million dividend for the 2013 policy year. Since its inception in 1914, the state fund has paid more than $5 billion in dividends to its policyholders. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I am Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for having joined us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.